0: Hi there, I'm Pamela Ambler. Welcome to I See Your Trade. We're recording today from the tech capital of the world, Silicon Valley in California. In this episode, Into the Future, What are the frontier technologies set to change the world? How will artificial intelligence change the world? Will blockchain technology continue to disrupt entire industries? And will humans upgrade themselves with advances in medical technology? As we look forward to 2023, what are the disruptive technologies that are set for massive gains as the world enters warp speed? Ask anyone who invested in electric cars, space exploration and biotech ahead of the pandemic having the foresight to make big bets on frontier technology can certainly pay off. I See Your Trade is brought to you by IC Markets, a leading high-performance trading provider. Trade up to IC Markets. Today, I'm joined by managing partner of GFT Ventures and former managing director of Samsung Ventures, Jay Um. Thank you very much for joining us today, Jay.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Pamela.
0: Let's start with Samsung. You used to be the managing director of Samsung Ventures, which is the U.S. venture capital arm of the Korean tech giant. What was your remit back then when you were with them?
1: Right, so this was um, uh, almost 20 years ago, back in 2003. Uh, Samsung Ventures was started with the mandate to focus on strategically relevant, but financially successful investment opportunities. The good news was Samsung was so diverse in terms of a technology company, that we had activities across components like semiconductor display as well as end products like uh, consumer electronics and handsets and so there was plenty of technology opportunities to choose from so we'd filter through the strategic angle first and then secondly we'd look at it from a financial perspective to make sure the investments we made actually made us money and the mandate was given by The headquarters samsung ventures investment corporation that was structured like a traditional gplp structure the only difference was the lps were other samsung operating companies and so we had a combination of manufacturing companies like samsung electronics but also financial companies like samsung securities samsung life insurance etc so we kind of had a dual mandate to work on
0: very interesting and now you are the co-founder of gft ventures what are some of the key themes that you are investing in right now?
1: Right, so GFT stands for Global Frontier Technology Ventures. We're an early stage investor in frontier tech. And what we mean by frontier tech is their two biggest pillars that is, we believe, going to fundamentally disrupt every single vertical industry in the way that we do business, are AI and blockchain technologies and other data science-driven applications, such as robotics, digital health, and mobility. So we focus on finding and working with the earliest entrepreneurs that are working on projects that are really disrupting entire industries. And so my partner and I, my partner Jeff, who used to be at NVIDIA for the last 20 years, leading their business development, corporate development, M&A, as well as their investments, we teamed up to actually focus on these opportunities.
0: And uh, in 2022 this year, we saw sort of Uh, you can call it the tech wreck, if you will, (laughs) the crypto crash and rising interest rates, punishing uh, growth stocks. Do you see a turnaround uh, in 2023?
1: Um, That's a great question. I I do think that um, having been doing this for over 20 years, um, we've seen cycles come up and down. Um, I do think we, we have to remember the fact that, you know, prior to this year's tech crash, um, it was probably the longest in recording history in terms of a bull run for the technology-driven market, uh, for venture capital funding and financing, as well as obviously the huge uptick in crypto uh, currency valuations. And because of that, I think what's happening now is there's a massive adjustment that's going on in the market that, quite frankly, because of so many of the factors that are driving that in terms of you know, inflation and the Feds, you know, propping up interest rates to make effectively the cost of capital, which was close to zero in the past decade, much more expensive. So the days of cheap capital is gone. And because of that, I think the financing for any different asset category, especially around venture and crypto, it's going to take longer, in my opinion, uh, to recover. In fact, I think next year in 2023, I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's actually going to be worse before it becomes better.
0: Well, on that topic, do you see blockchain technology sort of taking a step back uh, because of what's happening in in cryptocurrency space? Or do you see these two technologies as as sort of different?
1: Yeah, no, it's a a great question. And, you know, to be clear, um, GFT Ventures were focused on investing in blockchain as a technology layer. But having said that, it's very difficult to distinguish blockchain technology and cryptocurrency completely. Uh, One argument is one of the most widely used and well-known applications of blockchain technology is in fact the creation of cryptocurrencies. Um, And because of what's happened in the crypto markets for a variety of different reasons, um, frankly with the debacles that have happened with Terra, uh, the more recent debacle with FTX, um, the fundamental credibility of the crypto market and the ecosystem has been shaken to the core. And um, for better or for worse. Um, There's going to be regulatory scrutiny that is going to be heavily involved in the next several months leading up to, I think, some substantial regulation to protect investors and consumers. And because of that, I think um, the mass adoption of cryptocurrencies as well as various different altcoins is going to take longer. And that, in effect, is going to have a negative impact on the blockchain ecosystem as well, because many of the blockchain and Web3 startup companies are dependent on token economies to actually prop up that ecosystem. And so that, frankly, will be depressed, I think, for the time being as well.
0: Now, what about in terms of the metaverse, uh, your thoughts? Facebook uh, or meta has been shunned by investors uh, who aren't buying the metaverse story. Is this technology going to take off?
1: You know what? So there's a two-part answer to that. So uh, the answer is yes. The question is really when. And if you think back in terms of prior to the metaverse, you know, uh, leading up to that, there was a massive conversation and investments around VR, virtual reality, and AR, augmented reality. And um, I think it was almost 10 years ago when Facebook first acquired Oculus for, at the time, a whopping valuation of two billion dollars. And since then, they've invested billions and billions of dollars to build out that ecosystem, which is still at this point, still very much an enthusiast and a niche opportunity. It hasn't become a mass market opportunity just yet because of a lot of restrictions, both in terms of cost, hardware, um, comfort, compatibility. And so all of these things are being resolved. It's just taking longer. And so in my opinion, it's going to be a matter of time until you know, the evolution is complete, where you know, most of the mass market can enjoy very comfortably and affordably the metaverse experience. We're just still years and years away from that.
0: Now, you are very passionate about big data as well as AI, machine learning. Where do you see the opportunities for disruption in this space?
1: Oh, there's so much. I mean, I think the, the core of the thesis around GFT Ventures really resides around the massive disruption that AI and data science is bringing to literally every single vertical industry from agriculture to advertising to manufacturing, as well as every single business function from HR to sales and marketing and everything else. I can give you a couple of examples. So one of the companies that we've invested in, they are trying to solve the big black box that is called marketing. And that was started by an NVIDIA executive whose job being head of the data science team was uh, to go around and meet C-level executives that were NVIDIA customers to understand what business problems that they can solve using AI and data science. And one of the consistent biggest problems that, you know, frankly, there wasn't really good uh, answers to was the black box that is marketing. Because everybody knows that you actually spend hard cash and dollars into marketing, but you actually don't know exactly what you're gonna get out of that. And everybody knows that a portion of your marketing budget is effective. The other portion, you don't really know if it's effective or not. So this team is using AI and data science to basically figure out, based upon all the prior history of marketing spend and what the end result in terms of customer revenue was, and to create a predictive engine that could give the chief marketing officer some credibility when they try to get an approval for a $10 million marketing budget they can say, based upon historical data, we expect this to generate, let's say 50 million of incremental revenue. So that would be real impact, and that would actually save the lives of a lot of the chief marketing officers, <laughs> who right now is the shortest tenured C-level executive in the C-suite today.
0: Wow, well, I like how you call it the black box. <laughs> um, you're also passionate about um, sort of this, this new big wave that is coming um, how does an investor ride this next wave uh, of of investments?
1: Yeah, no, I think um, what my mandate has been ever since my days at Samsung and and prior to that was always to try to be the eyes and ears on behalf of our investors to find out what the next wave is and what the next trend is, Uh, basically do my homework, understand what's happening, meet all the different startup companies in that particular domain, and then basically place bets on who I believe is the best team to execute on those visions. And so having done that for almost 20 years now, I think one of the things that is critical is that you obviously want to bet on a entrepreneur that have demonstrated in the past execution capabilities. So our thesis, for example, around blockchain technology. Now there are hundreds if not thousands of blockchain related technology companies. There's protocol this, protocol that. And I'm not a developer, so I'm not the right person to evaluate which protocol is gonna be more widely adopted by developers. But what I do know is if a proven tech entrepreneur is starting a new company utilizing blockchain on the back end or tokenization as a business model innovation, those are the companies that I wanna back because there's so much competition in these domains But many of them have been started, frankly, by entrepreneurs that have figured out a way to write a white paper that's very technical oriented and frankly, most people can't even understand. But they never necessarily have built a scalable product or have executed and building a real business. And I would much rather bet on an entrepreneur that's done that in the past that can hire technical talent to solve a particular business problem. And that's been my thesis around investing in blockchain so far and will continue to do so any new technology wave because I believe it's the entrepreneurs that are on the forefront, that are the smarter guys to understand the opportunity, to understand which problem to solve, and then adopt the new wave of technology to solve that particular problem.
0: And what about Web3? That's also an area uh, that you're, you're passionate about. What is it about it that uh, attracts your attention?
1: Well, I, I think it's what attracts an investor to Web3 is the same as what attracts entrepreneurs to those Web3 opportunities. And again, the difference between Web2 and Web3, it's been cited many different times, but at the end of the day, the Web2 world is really kind of centralized and controlled, whereas the Web3 domain is decentralized and there isn't necessarily a single point of control. Now, frankly speaking, I think there's pros and cons to both approaches, but as soon as you go into a decentralized domain, it creates a lot of opportunity. For example, In the creator economy that we're all familiar with, um, for example, whether it's posting something on YouTube or TikTok, the cut that the creator gets to take of the revenue that's generated from that content, it's decided by the central control that manages that platform. Now, if there was a way for the actual platforms and the creators and the buyers to decide for themselves what the economics were like and how that is distributed, that's the whole concept of Web3 that makes it more liberalized and makes it frankly more incentivized for creators to participate more heavily in that ecosystem and frankly even for consumers of content to benefit from that ecosystem as well because Again, a lot of the value creation, frankly, is coming from the consumers of that content as well.
0: Right. And I, I have to touch on the pandemic, which if it taught us anything, is that um, the, the value of our health. So in terms of that space, uh, medical technology, is there anything that you're looking at in the coming years?
1: Absolutely. So digital health is one of the areas that we believe that the advances in AI and data science has really created this massive opportunity of for the first time, with sensor technology development, you're seeing a massive amount of health and medical data now. And because of the advancements in AI and data science, we now have the opportunity to process that and actually derive implications that will have direct impact to everybody's individual healthcare and self-management. And so, you know, with the advent of you know, wearable devices with various different apps, We focus heavily on digital health, so we're not doing drug discovery or whatnot, but the digital health that actually utilizes data that makes each and every one of us more aware of our own health data and gives us the opportunity to manage that in the way that we think fit, as well as provide to our medical professionals the data that they can actually provide customized and personalized uh, medication as well as treatment I think opens up a lot of avenues. So we're very bullish on that opportunity.
0: And just overall in general, what are some of the big tech themes that you're bullish on in the coming years?
1: Yeah, I I, I think one of the areas that um, I've been following for over a decade, and I think we're finally getting to the cusp of, you know, kind of mass market adoption is really robotics. And so by the theme, uh, thesis around advancements in AI, data science, sensor technology, Um, even motor technology, material science, battery technology, 5G connectivity, these are all enabling the advancement of consumer-facing robotics. Now, if you go into a modernized factory today, a manufacturing plant, in terms of manufacturing automation, it is state-of-the-art in many cases, and many of the products that, you know, from your iPad to my phone and everything is completely automated. Yes, there is QA that's done by human hand, but most of the manufacturing assembly is all automated. But even today, after 20 years since launch, the best-selling consumer-facing robot is still the Roomba, right? And the Roomba works well even today because it solves something that humans hate to do themselves, which is cleaning. And they do it at a very reasonable price point, and that's why it's selling so well. There are so many applications of robotics technologies in the home, in hospitals, in restaurants, in the workplace that could be applicable that haven't met kind of that cost-benefit just yet because it still costs too much or the benefit isn't high enough. But two factors are pushing that. Number one, the costs, as we said, with the technology advancements are going down and the benefit angle because of COVID, because of, Yeah, social distancing because of wages and income increasing, the opportunity to swap that out with an automated robot, whether it's a robot that takes orders in a fast food restaurant, um, utilizing, you know, voice recognition technology, whether it's a server robot that can actually serve your drinks and so allows the server to actually have a conversation with the customer while the drinks are actually being traded away, or especially in a hospital where nurses are in short demand, and sanitizing or taking temperatures or blood pressure, these can all be things that could be potentially automated with the right robotics technology. So me personally, I've been looking at that domain, and I think it's a matter of time, whether it's next year or the year after, that's going to be the next big wave.
0: Thank you very much for joining us today, Jay, and sharing your insights.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Pamela. really appreciate it.
0: That was Ajay, managing partner of GFT Ventures and former managing director of Samsung Ventures. I see your trade is brought to you by IC Markets, the leading high performance trading provider, trade up to IC Markets. Thank you for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you next time.